Thank you, as always, for listening to Caleb versus Self. On this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Jason from the Veterans Hemp Market. We talk about CBD, we talk about the war on drugs, we talk about the impacts that CBD has had on veterans specifically. If you want to learn more about CBD, if you want to purchase any of the products over at VeteransHempMarket.com, obviously you can go straight there. You can check them out on Facebook. They're going to be working on more YouTube videos, and I know Jason is more specifically hoping to work on the education portion of CBD. So if you're interested, again, check them out at VeteransHempMarket.com. Check them out on Facebook and on YouTube as well. Outside of that, I had a fantastic time. I had a really fun time really diving into this topic with Jason. So hopefully you guys enjoy this as well. Jason on with me uh, for Veterans Hemp Market, along with a few other things. But first and foremost, I want to ask you, as far as getting into the CBD space, obviously a lot of that has to do with your military background. And I've heard you talk more specifically about getting into the space to help people. What is it from your perspective that CBD does in all of its different forms that most other things maybe either don't accomplish or this just does a better job of? Yeah. Well, um, I think that if you go to, you know, let's say you go to the VA and you, and you, and you get some prescribed some medication, each one of those medications are going to handle a specific thing. They're not going to give you one medication that seems to touch on this item and this item and this item and this item, which, you know, turns into a lack of understanding of what the reason is for each one of those point problems that they're trying to solve. So they never fix the central problem. They just don't because they're not looking for a, a whole body solution. Now, they would argue, well, that's what the, the you know, the, the, the um, talk therapy and stuff offers, you know, as they bring that in there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as somebody who went through two years of talk therapy and the VA's answer was, you know, at the end of the day and going through two different therapists and it takes a long time to build trust with a therapist uh, is well you're cured well <laughs> you can't cure an anxiety disorder right right because that's what i well, that's what i'm getting to is that it's you know it has to do with ptsd so the reason that cbd works so well is that it's it's a calming agent and, and it works in that whole body aspect of things so you know i've got pain in my body but the reason I have pain in my body is because I've got inflammation. But the reason I've got that inflammation is because I've got stress. And that stress is causing the hormone cortisol to be overproduced. And that cortisol being overproduced is leading me to, you know, stiffen up my neck and stiffen up my back because that's naturally what it does, which causes maybe your muscles to lay in an unusual manner, mm-hmm. which eventually causes rubbing, which causes heat, which causes inflammation. Right. And now you hurt and you don't move. And now you're sitting and you're laying around and now you're getting depressed and now your anxiety is getting worse. You see how it's just like the snowball effect of things. Yeah. And the longer you let that go on like that, the worse and worse and worse it gets. So in comes, you know, your, 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 
your I don't know what do you I don't even like to call it. I don't want to confuse the audience because I say traditional medicine. That's not what we're talking about. But well, let's call it clinical medicine. Okay. Right. So in comes your clinical medicine, and they begin to treat all of these underlying things, but they're not treating them in tandem, and they're not linking all of them together. And that's how they really need to be handled because you don't need to be on medications to handle, you know, your, your back problems and your muscle problems and all this other stuff. If the root cause is stress and anxiety, we, all we have to do is reduce the stress and the anxiety and the rest of the stuff is going to come along, along with it. So, so in, in, in What's yeah, that? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, so instead what you have is a pill for sleeplessness, a pill for inflammation, a pill for your anxiety, a pill for or right. all these different therapies. But but their their pills don't do like what, what CBD does, whereas, you know, CBD, it the best way to put it is that it calms things down, mm-hmm. which is why we see that it works so well for autoimmune disorders, right? Anytime the body's like attacking itself and overreacting. And if you really think about anxiety, that's what it is your mind is overreacting to things that have not even necessarily occurred and they aren't probably going to occur. We're overreacting. We're panicking. If a body is attacking itself, you've got an autoimmune disorder. Mm-hmm. It's your, the, your internal components are panicking. They're, they're freaking out. So we have to calm all that down. We don't need to cover it up with a substance that's going to change your serotonin levels and it's going to monkey with your dopamine. No, we don't need any of that. We need to improve the communication that's happening inside our body and tell our bodies, relax, chill out. And then that's oddly enough, what CBD does is it tells your body to chill out. It improves that communication by interacting with those cannabinoid receptors. Would you say then that just based on what you're saying that CBD has the potential to be more of a, a, a baseline so that then if there are still some persisting issues, you can actually address those as opposed to just addressing every single little thing that pops up. Yeah. And, and, and I think that is, is a great way to put it because we can really take CBD kind of as like a daily vitamin, right? We've, we took vitamins for years still only do. to find out that, well, Here's the thing, right? Oh, no. All the most recent studies that have come out is that they don't do anything because they're synthetic vitamins. Your body doesn't process them well, and we just take them. So for years and years and years, we've been taking FDA-approved vitamins that do absolutely nothing for us, and we just flush them down the toilet in the drain, right? So you have an opportunity to give CBD a, a chance as your daily vitamin. You still take your daily vitamin. But give that a chance. See see how it changes how you feel, you know? You might not even notice it, but you, what you might notice over the long term is that you're getting an extra half an hour or 45 minutes a night of sleep and uninterrupted, or possibly it's good sleep. And this is such an interesting phenomenon that happens with CBD because it's so nonchalant about improving how you feel that a lot of times it doesn't get credit for what it's doing, right? It, okay. And, and, and granted, things can be psychosomatic, and you can you can cause a psychosomatic response up you know, that will, will change something up to thirty percent. I mean, that's dramatic, right? Yeah. That that means just by using the power of your mind, you can you can cause yourself to have a worse breakout, or you can improve maybe some medical condition by thirty percent just by the way your mind is thinking about it. 
the sugar pill, right? So maybe it's maybe sometimes sugar pills aren't such a bad bad idea if we've got to change our mind about things. And and hospitals will do that sometimes. There's clinical research showing that they've done it multiple times. But CBD isn't isn't a sugar pill. It's interacting with those cannabinoid receptors. It's going to have a real effect on your day to day life, and it's going to improve it. It's going to improve your ability to tolerate more stress. Isn't that, wouldn't that be great, right? So, you know, we look at, everyone says, I've had it up to here, right? Mm -hmm. I've had it up to here. Well, what if your here was way up here? You know, you have all that, let's not redline ourselves all the time. It's going to bring, that's a great way to put it. You're not going to redline yourself on a daily basis. You're going to bring that level that you can tolerate up just a little bit higher. And it has a profound effect as time goes on and on and on. But if you took a high dose of CBD, let's say you were having a panic attack and I've seen this happen. I've done it personally. I've helped somebody who was literally having a panic attack to the point that they collapsed in a bathroom on a bathroom floor, wrapped their arms around the toilet bowl, streaming tears down their face. You know, and I pulled their head back and I put like three or four dropper fulls of tincture in their mouth. And they literally came out of their anxiety attack, like right there. And then now granted is a huge dose of CBD, like 300 milligrams. But I mean, that's, that is proof. That's not, you know, psychosomatic pulling somebody out of it. It would have taken serious, you know, psychotic medication to do something like that. And it usually would have been a sedative. Right. So, you know, it's, it's amazing. That's remarkable to say the least. And for somebody like me who, who doesn't have really any experience with CDB, CBD, it's feels like a bit of a tall tale, but I also feel like at the same time, CBD at this point is like everywhere. So there's gotta be something to some degree to it. It's not just complete and total fabrication, but let me ask you about the actual like products themselves, because I feel like when I've tried to do some research in this, I mean, obviously there's the dropper, there's pills, there's lotions, there's creams, there's, you can put it in food. I mean, not in New York state, but in other places, no, they you do can, that. you can. In oh, can you? Now. you can. Yep. Oh, I did That's not the know regulations. That. Yeah. We're the most regulated state in the, in the, in the country when it comes to CBD, but, but that has allowed them to pretty much, we can do anything with it now. Gotcha. So if you have a retail license, you can put it in your coffee, your donuts, whatever, whatever you want to put it in. So is the effect it. similar or the way that you consume it also has a separate impact on what it does to you? The way that you consume it definitely has a different impact. And, you know, I, I think we should establish really, really early that CBD is just one cannabinoid of the cannabis plant, right? And mm-hmm. we split it into hemp and marijuana based on regulation, but there's a hundred different cannabinoids and we're seeing more and more of them in the marketplace and you're going to see them more and more of them, you know, in those different CBD shops. So you've got, you know, CBG, you've got THCV, you've got CBD, you've got CBC, you've got CBN, and then you've got your, you know, you know, you've seen the Delta eight THC and you've got Delta nine, which is what classifies as marijuana. So I, you see how it can get very confusing for the public. Yeah. And the reality is, is that every single one of those three letters that I just mentioned do it, ha- help you in a different way. They do something different for you. And, and if you just walk into a gas station and you just walk into a head shop somewhere 
and they don't know cannabinoids, they don't know the product, how in the world are you going to possibly know what you're doing? You're going to buy cheesy product that probably doesn't work well with maybe somebody who's passionate enough to understand the process of it. But in reality, probably somebody who's like 19 and just doesn't know really, they know how to run the cash register, you know? So it, that's, you know, one of the things that we seek out to do is improve that and, and give people that education as a specialized shop. And there's more and more of those specialized shops popping up, like you, you just explained. So maybe that's how we're going to get that knowledge base out of there. But to your point, when you consume CBD, if you're consuming it and in, in, in you're digesting it and it has to go into your digestive tract, we always say to take it with a little oil because it's, you know, fat soluble. It actually works better that way. If you take it with a little fat, it could be a little cheese, a little something, butter. Um, so when you eat it like that, it takes longer to kick in and it's going to have a longer effect. And that's always kind of the way cannabinoids work. If you eat cannabinoids and it has the longer it takes to fully kick in, the longer it's going to last. And with CBD, you know, you'll get a, a, you know, maybe three hour. It's, it's subtle enough that you might not know. When you're taking a daily dose, Mm -hmm. you are not going to feel a change in a change, a change in your headspace. Do you understand what I mean by that? Yeah. yeah. You shouldn't feel a change in your headspace at all by definition, because CBD is supposed to be non-psychoactive, but as somebody who's been working with CBD for a long time, when you, when you have, very strong potent cbd full spectrum and you take two or three tinctures i promise you it is a strong disassociative and you absolutely will feel a change in headspace so i don't i don't want to discourage somebody from taking it on a daily basis because you know they're not they're not necessarily feeling something kick in just like you wouldn't necessarily feel something kick in with a vitamin i just wanted to be clear about that Right. So I I appreciate that clarity. Yeah. So now we're talking about eating it or using a tincture. Now let's jump over to smoking it. Yeah. What we've seen research wise is that folks that are suffering from like MS, for example, when they smoke it, it is, it, it does amazing things for them. Might not necessarily help them when they're eating. But if they smoke it, it's it's amazing. So it really depends on the individual and what they're trying to accomplish and how it works for them. And I can tell you that I know a lot of people who smoke it um, and they find it incredibly relaxing, immediately relaxing. Like, um, you know, uh, some folks have replaced smoking cigarettes with smoking the, the hemp cigarettes because they can still get that 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 stress relief they need to get their anxiety level. Cause that's still the same thing when people smoke, right? They're trying to lower the anxiety level by smoking a cigarette. Yep. So if you can smoke a hemp cigarette and lower your anxiety, it's much, much better than smoking, you know, addictive nicotine, but it's immediate. That's an immediate effect. When people are smoking it, they're feeling that instantly. Okay. So smoking it, you're good. I, I think it's often like to call it like, like time release versus, mm-hmm you know, instant, an instant hit. 
And if we got into talking about vaporization and dabbing, that's an even faster hit and a much concentrated level. And, you know, if, if you were to dab in, and for those listening that don't know, dabbing is the vaporization of the pure oil of the cannabis plant. And you're, you know, using either an electric coil or something else. And it's, it's not as hot as combustion. So you're not getting any combustible materials in your lungs. It's actually the cleanest way. If you're, if medically, it's the cleanest way you could possibly take a medicine, right? Um, Cartridges are technically just tiny little dab rigs. They really are. Um, So, you know, if, if you're dabbing, you're going to get an instant hit. And that's kind of where we are now with the carts as well. Like they're, they're great for that instant hit of, of relief. Um, if you're, you're looking for something like if, if you've got sore joints and stuff like that, you're going to get that instant relief of those joints. But guess what? The faster it hits and the faster it kicks in, the faster it goes away. Right. And that's just so the, no, the way that generally works. Yeah. Yeah. There's no long term yeah. anything to it. So, so right. with that, right, you've got the dab, you've got vape, you've got uh, hemp cigarettes. Uh, now we're down to, you know, consuming it edible style. Yeah. However you yep. do. And then, and, and also, yeah. you know, then we get into really, we, it can really get into a confusing space because now we get into water soluble and it's naturally oil soluble, but then they do some wizardry on it. And they add some, you know, they call it nano a lot of times. And it's kind of a silly little word, but that's what they like to use. And they use a process called sonification, which kind of like shreds up the CBD into these tiny little bits. And they use a solution and diluted in tons of water. It's completely safe to eat, drink, using products, whatever. But when they mix it in there, um, what happens is, you know, as they, sh- they, they shoot sound waves in it. And as it shreds up the C the CBD, the CBD gets stuck in the tiny little encapsulation bottles. I mean, that's why they call it nano. Right. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that when you drink this or when you take this, um, your body can use it right away because it's much smaller. It's going to use it as fast as it uses liquid or water. So for that stuff, a lot of people will say it's like 10 times stronger. If anyone ever sees, you know, something that says nano 10 times stronger or five times, it's never stronger, right? They, they, it's, it's not stronger. Your body is just using more of what is bioavailable so they can make the dosages smaller and you're, you're getting it, you're feeling it instantly and right away, which gives the illusion of something being stronger. So it's like a marketing, right? To say nano five. Yeah, but I mean, marketing thing. Right. It's kind of a marketing thing, but you know, some people will want that to kick in quicker and oil, water soluble becomes uh, uh, useful when you're trying to make like a a beverage. And that's a big, a big space that, I mean, it's going to be huge over the next couple of years. That CBD beverage space is going to explode. I would probably say like, all of your iced teas are going to have five milligrams of CBD in it. And that's, that's really where everyone's going because that's why that federal government just came out with their recommendation of five milligram servings on any cannabinoids. So that's what you're going to see and you're going to see it. And I mean, it's going to be in everything. It's going to be kind of silly to be honest. So the last one that I do see as well is like lotions and creams. Is that mm-hmm. something that, cause mm-hmm. my understanding of a cannabinoid is that, 
right? For all intents and purposes, it has to be ingested. Does it actually work when it's applied just directly to skin yeah. or something like that? So, yeah. So that's what I was going to mention next was I was going to get into transdermals. And that would be the lotions, hand creams, things of that nature? To some degree. And it, okay. And, 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 and this is where it kind of splits off. If we're talking about skincare, we're talking about eczema, talking about dry skin. Actually, we're talking about wrinkles, collagen, all that good stuff. CBD has been clinically proven to do some amazing things to the skin. That was actually, the research was done on that actually before we even saw some of the, um, um, the research that had come out that allowed for the, the can't remember the name of the company that's actually the the pharmaceutical company that does the epilepsy medicine so this predates that i can't remember what they're called but it's they actually their epilepsy medicine is a cbd isolate it costs patients thirty five thousand dollars a year and no patient uses more than a kilo you know what it costs for a kilo of cbd isolate about about a thousand dollars how's that that's a ridiculous markup how's that (laughs) Oh man! Oh, I better not get off track. I'll forget what I'm trying to explain. Oh, no, it's okay. We're so, talking about the the topical. So the lotions. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, So it's really, really good for your skin. CBD is. You don't have to worry about any transdermal effect if all you're worried about is, you know, what it's going to do to your skin tone and things like that. That we can just mix with, um, like a a a a, a cream base that. For example, we could do a hemp cream base or an avocado cream base or any type of base like that. And it mixes great and it's great for the skin. Now, if we get over to your muscle rubs and uh, arthritis creams or um, or transdermals, topical type stuff like that, it gets a little bit more complicated because like you said, uh, cannabinoids don't go through the skin very well. So how do you get something through the skin and, you know, to the acute area that you're trying to target? Um, well, you have to use some, some tricks. And uh, one of them that a lot of folks use is they'll use emu oil. And emu oil is, uh, has a really interesting effect. It, um, it helps pull things through your skin and into your body. So it, it, it's very mild in that manner, but it's enough to get that CBD to penetrate through your skin and, uh, you know, get to where it needs to be. So it's the transport for the CBD to get yeah, to. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's the carrier. Yeah. Gotcha. I shouldn't say carrier because the carrier is generally an oil, but yeah, you got it. Um, the other option is uh, DMSO. And DMSO is what I like, I really like to work with DMSO and DMSO is, is another one that's got a really weird rep. It's kind of got a strange background. Um, it was another one that kind of got bullied by the federal government. It's the essential oil of wood. It's totally natural. It's non-toxic. It's a byproduct of the lumber industry. And, um, it's really interesting because, uh, When you pour DMSO on your, if you were to pour like pure DMSO on your skin, Mm -hmm. um, it, it immediately begins to off gas, um, phosphorus off gas. 
And because it moves so fast through your skin, you actually end up having like a phosphorusy garlic breath nearly immediately. Really? That's how powerful the stuff is. So like in our, in our topicals, we only use one, like a one or a 2% solution. You can safely go up. If, so if we were building a true transdermal, like a transdermal patch, mm-hmm. and this is, you know, there, you would probably go up to, you could go up to 10, 20%. You go up to 30%. It's a little much, I think. But it's, it's like I said, it's non-toxic, but you don't want to pull things into your skin and into your body that shouldn't be there. So you've got to know what you're doing. You've got to know what you shouldn't be putting in there, what you should be putting in there. But that is what allows that to work um, through your skin. Jeez, I feel like I just went through just the barely the tip of the iceberg on this whole <laughs> thing which which leads me to my next question especially for what you guys are trying to do it's got to be insanely difficult to educate people what at this point you know i know you guys have done like fairs festivals mm-hmm. you get out there you talk to people i even heard at one point you guys were giving out uh like cbd joints i think in syracuse and like fanning the area so people would get yeah. used to right acclimate yeah. to the smell yeah. and, and everyone doing that what are some other strategies that you guys are using or at least thinking about to educate people? Um, well, it's an interesting time in New York because with the legalization, uh, you know, it's just really kind of changed the way that people look at things. So, um, you know, you still deal with folks that come in the store and I mean, it's, it's kind of humorous, you know, folks will come in with their medical marijuana cards and they really don't understand the difference. And that's because they're, why should they cannabis was cannabis. It always was. Right. And right. we just subjectively split it based on this weird 0.3% thing that nobody really knows where it came from. So, um, I think that the internet is going to be again, the tool that ends up educating a lot of people and, you know, really where we need to focus our education efforts is on folks that are between the ages of oh probably about 45 to all the way to create you know to 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 the end sure uh maybe even a little older skewed if maybe we could even go up to 55 or so and and on because there's just a huge difference in in a knowledge gap right i mean in in what how can you blame people like even me you know, I went to high school and, and I don't know about you, but dare was there and, you know, (laughs) I learned things from dare and I thought I could trust what I was being taught. I didn't realize it was all lies. Um, that's offensive, especially thinking back to it in those younger days, you know, it's like, I just it just blows my you're, mind. Still. Yeah, it's, you're talking about generations of literal indoctrination yeah, when it comes to this it's propaganda. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we were brainwashed, manipulated. I mean, we all we should be outraged. I mean, we should be picketing with Tory. You literally lied to us for political purpose, really. If we wanted to get into, we'll have to do another episode and we'll get into the history of cannabis because it's pretty wild. Sure. Um, but. Uh, you know, we're going to try to focus on doing classes at the shop. I think TikTok is going to do a lot to educate that younger generation of folks. It's already out there. It's all over the place. You can't keep knowledge from folks anymore. You can't hide it from them. 
Right? Right, it's too right. easy. If you want to be educated, all you have to do is go to Google and type something in that little box. Yeah. And, yep. and read and read and read and read. Anyone can be super, super edgy. That's all you got to do. And I think there's more and more people that they are critical of everything they hear because we got lied to about so much for so long and we can't trust, we can't trust the things we read anymore. Everything's got a spin to it. So you have to be super diligent and you have to read and read and read. You have to read this side of things and you have to read this side of things. And then you have to look and see who wrote the article. And then you have to see who they work for and what they're sponsoring and who they're backing. And, you know, are they tied to a lobbyist firm? It's man, it's enough to make your head explode. It's right. it's not a fair game. It's truly not. We're we're not playing on an equal playing field. But you know what? There's nothing we can do about that. So we just have to keep pushing forward on all that stuff and and try to get people there without their help, without that help, right? Or 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 getting dragged back at the same time. Um we're going to more events and I think that the fair embracing us this year uh, with regards to having an educational aspect to the booth and teaching people on how to grow hemp and actually having hemp plants there and things like that. I think that is a huge amount of, you know, uh, it's going to bring it out a lot into the public and, and get them interested in reading and learning and asking the questions. Cause I really, you have to ask the question first. Right. Can't, sure. right? Like you have to, you have to be interested first. Um, and, and how do we get people interested is we remind, like, how do we have a farm crop that we want to push and push and push? And we've got Cornell studying it in New York, but they have zero representation at any County farm. How are you going to educate and teach young farmers? This is what this crop looks like. This is how you grow it. This is how you handle it. And Oh, by the way, just like we give awards out for this corn and that corn and that squash and that squash, it's an agricultural product. And we have to, we have to foster the industry that revolves around it. And the only way to do that is to get the farmers who are going to grow it involved in that. And, and that's where it starts. So how do you get into those rural communities? I, I think really that's the only way is is to get out to their events and, and to see them and talk to them and be you know they're salt of the earth people face-to-face folks well and not only that those people and this is a whole other topic but they're facing a quite challenging time now just with how everything mm-hmm. is done in agriculture today but we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit here but what you're saying it sounds like is really a two-pronged approach number one we need to get to the people who um, of our of the generations that just didn't accept it for what it is or what it was and, and be able to get them to understand what it actually is. And then number two is to really focus on the future of mm-hmm. industrializing it or, or the agriculture aspect of it, because yeah. without people growing it, you're not going to have anything anyway. Right. You, you, you got it. And I think one of the things that's, that's forcing older generations is pain. Unfortunately, it's it's pain it's 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 getting older and getting that joint pain and and not nobody's going to give opiates out anymore so what are you going to use tylenol doesn't get it done 
ibuprofen this, ain't gonna this work. Is the direction folks are going in. If if in a million years I thought my my mom was going to be walking around with, you know, a, a cannabinoid cream when ten or fifteen years ago, I was no, absolutely not. <laughs> right, you know, right. I, I just gave my mom a plant to throw in her in her yard. You know, I mean, <laughs> things have there. There's there's uh, I can't remember where this quote comes from, but it goes kind of like this. It says. Um, you know, if if you turn if you turn forty years old and you go through the next forty years and you look back and it was the same as the first forty years, then you wasted forty years of your life, right? <laughs> sure. So things are always evolving, and and it's exciting to see how they evolve. And uh, I, I think give it two years, and it's going to be a prolific industry. It's not going to look anything like it does anymore. Um, you know, we're going to have a lot more wrapped up with regards to the cannabinoid science and how to analyze what people's needs are. There's just so much science that still needs to be done. So much stuff that we don't know. I mean, well, the hardest part, what's that? I was going to say, it doesn't help that it was a schedule one for, I mean, associated yeah. with, I should say a schedule one yeah. forever. No, I, I mean, it like was, that. it was a schedule one. Oh, it's was it? Okay. Plan. Yeah. I mean, cannabis is cannabis. I mean, that's when, why, um, shoot, what's his name? Richard something. Uh, he was the guy who created hemp nuts and, uh, you know, that was illegal what they were doing all those years. So at any time the DEA could have come in and raided them and seized all their assets and all their money. And, uh, that would have been it, but, that's uh, crazy you know, they were early pioneers. Yeah. And all they were doing is bringing in food. Food, hemp, hemp seeds, which are technically nuts. They're literally nuts. Well, nuts. I, I know you said you could do probably a whole other episode on this, but if I'm not mistaken, I think I heard or read somewhere that the start of the whole anti-hemp thing was more of a textile thing, right? Like paper or something like that or competing? Yeah, well, with like... I mean, I was kind of like, so that was the time of the robber barons, right? They were yeah. all kind of in cahoots together. They're still all in cahoots together. Well. Who are we kidding? <laughs> so, you know, they were all kind of in cahoots together and, and, you know, it did sign to start as a textile thing, but even more so it started as a rubber thing. So they really? had, uh, yeah. So, it, well, it was, it was a night. It had to do with nylon. Um, I guess we should say plastic, not rubber, but it, it, it was DuPont came out with a new fiber and that new fiber was nylon and they wanted all the, uh, world war two military contracts that were going to pop up for, uh, for that nylon. They didn't want to, they wanted to go to hemp. And the hemp was the only thing else on the market that was even comparable quality and, and strength wise. So they worked with, uh, man, my brain's not working great today. Can I, um, shoot, what was the guy's name? Uh, began with an A. Um, there's a whole show about him now. There's Ar- Arling- oh, Arslinger. I can't remember. But he, uh, yeah. Google it. I'm trying to. <laughs> he's a, he, 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 uh, he, he was big in the, you know, when they were during prohibition and, and when prohibition ended, he had no job. So he was super racist and he already knew that they were after hemp and cannabis and they had already pushed for the tax stamp. So he just went all in on it. And, uh, An- Anslinger, that's what his name is. Anslinger. Okay. Anslinger. Yeah. A-N-S-L-I-N-G-E-R. And that guy was kind of like the, I mean, he did a lot to keep to 
he did a lot to demonize it over the years. He was behind Meat Reefer Madness and all that stuff. So by the by the 60s or mid 50s to 60s, a lot of that stuff had kind of gone to the wayside. He was kind of out of the out of the picture. And but we had, you know, we had a lot of hippies that were popping up. We had a lot of veterans that were ticked off because of what was going on in Viet, uh, Vietnam. And, uh, you know, we uh, we had growing um, uh, minority populations in the United States at the time, predominantly black Americans, and they they were becoming wealthy. They had communities that were predominantly all black communities and self-supporting communities that were doing quite well. And they were becoming quite a voting block. And, um, you know, Nixon, as we all know, was in, in incredibly uh, talk about somebody who had an anxiety disorder. I mean, you know, that guy was incredibly paranoid and he was worried he was going to lose the election. So, you know, it was later, later down the road, we, we have folks on record that worked for Nixon that said, well, yeah, of, of course we knew what we were doing when we, when we went through and we created the, you know, the drug, the drugs act and the war on drugs and everything else. And, mm-hmm. you know, we went after, we, we couldn't go after somebody for, you know, their religion. We couldn't go after them for the color of their skin. We couldn't go after them for their political beliefs. So when we went after them for the things we knew they were involved in and you know the for for the the hippies and for the veterans and now we know why veterans have always been drawn to cannabis and marijuana and and hemp in general it's because it really does work with so it's remarkable it heals you it heals that it's just it's amazing but they he was worried about losing their vote so instead he demonized cannabis and he went after marijuana hard right and that was the way of disrupting their ability to you know, have any influence on what he was capable of, or, you know, any influence on him winning or losing the election. And he did it to the black populations as well, but he did it with heroin. And, uh, and, and that's kind of where that entire drug law came from was, it was from his nepotism. And if, if there's any evidence to, to support the fact that he did this without any scientific base at all, he convened a commission. It was the, again, I can't remember off the top of my head the name of the commission, but it was a famous report. And they, they, they found that there was no ill effects of cannabis use. It was Nixon's own committee that convened it. And even back then they said, this should be legal immediately. This isn't a risk to the public. Was it the Schaefer Commission? Yeah, the Schaefer Commission. And Nixon said, absolutely not. I don't care what your findings were. We're going to stick with it. So, you know, I mean, how in the world are we still, I mean, it's still sitting on schedule one. You so, have to scratch your head a little bit. I'm, I'm looking real quick at the Schaefer Commission and just a block here. The commission's report said that while public sentiment tended to view marijuana users as dangerous, they actually found users to be more timid, drowsy, and passive. It concluded that cannabis did not cause widespread danger to society. It recommended using social methods other than criminalization to discourage it. Right there. <laughs> and that, you know. <laughs> and here we are in 2021, just now getting around to it. It's 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 comical. And I mean it's, it's crazy. just I, it's I, yeah, crazy. I just don't like being lied to, you know. 
Um, One of the things I find interesting about your background, obviously you are, you're a veteran, you're a commissioned officer in the U S army. Um, and something you just said not too long ago there was, of course, veterans would be drawn to it, right? With PTSD, with anxiety, mm-hmm. with all sorts of you know therapies and whatnot. For you, interacting with other veterans who who are going down the same path that you are, mm-hmm. are, are they finding that same revelation? I think the fact that I can Google veterans and CBD and 10 different companies pop up as veteran owners, mm-hmm. I think pretty much answers that question. I mean... Um, I think veterans are incredibly drawn to it. I, it. You know, one thing cannabis does that we don't talk about much is it kind of shuts your, it allows your brain to stop over processing, right? And this is, I'm talking mainly with marijuana here, mm-hmm. but a lot of times um, veterans have a habit of daydreaming into difficulty and what I mean by that is perfectly innocent thought spends you through this spiral of, of memories and regret and, and what ifs and, and just things that you don't necessarily want to relive, but it also projects it. So even though you're thinking about the past, you're also projecting all the, the nasty things that could be going on in the future. Mm-hmm. And the use of that, that the use of, of, of cannabis it, it's, it quiets that down. It allows you to kind of like temper that down. So you're not experiencing that and you can focus on other things. Yeah. Um, I, at least that's how it is for me. My assumption is that's why others are drawn to it as well. Um, you know, the CBD was great. It's great for me for, if I need instant anxiety relief, I will go to the CBD. Um, but the combination of CBD and THC has really been what has allowed me to be productive since I got out of the military. I wasn't productive the last year I was in the military, which is one of the reasons I medical boarded out. Right. I mean, I was, I was hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of it I think had to do with the medications that they had, had put me on. I mean, they put me on so much medicine that I was put in a situation where I couldn't succeed. And when, when I, when I got out, um, I went to work for my father, uh, who owns an electrical construction company. And, and, you know, I I know it must've been a little tough for him because I'm his son and I'm, I'm, I'm well-educated. I'm good at what I do. I'm a hard worker. Um, but you know, I'd stroll into work at 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning, not because I wanted to sleep in, but because I was so high in the morning from all the medication, all the residuals that were left in my system waking up, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't, I couldn't even think about getting behind a wheel and driving, you know? And I mean, how long do you do that to your employer? I, I could have done it to him forever because he was my father and he understood what the problem was, but I don't want a pity job. I wanted to be productive and competent and capable. So I had to find something else. Now we could have an entirely, again, another discussion about how I brought psychedelics into my life before I even brought cannabis into my life, because I needed a change of perspective on what was going on. Mm -hmm. And the change of perspective was you can live your life in two ways. You can either go through life and be a zombie and, and, you know, just die when you're 65 or 70 years old, because you pretty much have given up and your body gave up. 
which if you look through retired military folks, that's very common. They retire and they'll die, you know, 10, 15 years later. Some of the sergeant majors retire big, big guys, super healthy, retire from the army after 30 or 40 years. And they, they, they pass away because they, they can't see, there's no reason their body stops having a reason to continue. You know, it's, we subconsciously our our subconscious minds are so, are so powerful. It's another thing we just don't really fully understand. Kind of like the last horizon is right with inside our head. Kind of weird when you think about that. Yeah. Well, when you talk about it in that type of context, what I'm drawn to in that conversation and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I've had friends with similar experiences is that once they're able to get that, I mean, I'm going to call it just for sake of calling it, you know, anxiety, PTSD, whatever it may be, once they get that part to calm down, what they end up finding isn't necessarily anything other than a sense of purpose. And once you find Mm -hmm. that sense of purpose, then all of a sudden great things happen. But you have to be able to, in this context, calm that part of your mind Mm -hmm. or that part of your subconscious, whatever calls you back to that event or that experience, whatever it might be. And it seems like in a lot of ways, whether it's CBD or THC, that has a the least dangerous way of being able to provide that to somebody. So then they can actually find some sort of passion or purpose in life. And all of a sudden they're reinvigorated. It's like a brand new person. Yeah. Because they still have their mental aptitude to be able to you know, be competent and capable. Right. I mean, right. All of right. a sudden you're taking this stuff and, and, and that grogginess and that cloud is lifted. And Oh, by the way, I can still move. So, you know, now I can function and I'm, I'm mobile. Well, I don't really have any more excuses. Right. It's not going to take away PTSD. I mean, you're going to experience it, but what it is going to do is you're going to be able to get out the door. I mean, PTSD is such a wild, crazy thing. And, and, and and it, it goes so far beyond. I don't think there's anybody in life who has not had a PTSD event. And, and, you know, if, if you don't think you ever suffered from PTSD, um, I, I would, I would challenge you to look back through your life, the most challenging times in your life. And, and you did suffer post-traumatic stress. Just, I mean, they, they want to drop that D and stop calling it a disorder, but it is a disorder. It's post-traumatic stress disorder. It's something that happens in our brains when we cannot handle what is going on around us. And, uh, we change, we change a little bit. And if that keeps happening and you keep getting exposed to more and more traumatic events, you change forever in, in a lot of different ways. You know, I found now I'm, I'm much more emotional, right? And, and it's gotten worse as I, as I've gotten older and THC helps with that tremendously, you know, and, and there's things that upset me and they shouldn't upset me, but they do. And, uh, I think that is all related to changes that occur in the brain due to post-traumatic stress. Uh, but the, the THC helps me manage that. And it's not always like the, this, this idea of this flashback to, um, you know, some time or something that was going on or, or even as I explained earlier, where you're drifting into the past and maybe a little bit of, of regret, Sometimes it's as simple as not being able to cope with something that you absolutely should be able to cope with and having an angry outburst 
or maybe yeah. saying something angrily or not mindfully or, or knowing you're getting carried away with something and continuing to do it because it's giving you satisfaction to be angry, right? Yeah. That is all stuff that is all related to post-traumatic stress um, that doesn't go away. It's manageable and you have to be mindful of it. And I can't always be mindful of it. And I think that I'm someone who has really spent a lot of time trying to get to that point. So it can only matter. I can only imagine someone who's received no help, somebody who hasn't had those deep introspective thoughts and conversations with themselves about their own life choices or the decisions that they've made or, or how they want to feel or how they appear to their kids or what kind of person they want to be, you know, that core stuff that establishes you as a human being. Um, it's uh, it, THC improves in, in, in that feeling. Uh, and the CBD helps with, managing it on a day-to-day basis Uh, like for me when i'm feeling like i'm just getting to the point where i'm going to have a breakdown we i've learned how to have little breakdowns right i mean i think we all should you know it's it's if you need to have a a a weekly breakdown where you go 20 minutes and break down for 20 minutes and then it's done and over with you know it's like letting off steam in that in that uh in that pot you know, we yeah. should get used to that. But, um, you know, I think that uh, the CBD truly helps manage that. And, and the THC really, really is what I, I like a THC dab immediately changes your, your, your headspace. You don't have that woe is me feeling anymore. You, and that's what it really boils down to. Right. And that's what's so frustrating about it all the time. Yeah. And, and you go through these loops and these thought spirals in your head how do I get out of this? How am I stuck in this damn spiral again? Like it's ridiculous. Well, how am I going to get out of it? And then you realize after three hours of fighting with yourself mentally, that the solution has been sitting on the table right there. Cause that's where the dab rig is. And you go over there and literally 30 seconds later, you're in a completely different headspace and you don't need that. That stuff doesn't bother you anymore. You're stable. You're modulated. Do you, after you do that, right? Let's say you recognizing you're having, I'm just going to call it an episode because whatever you're, you're recognizing you're in this funk, you're in this cycle, you go, you hit the dab. Do you then afterwards do any more just introspective reflection? I, I mean, for me personally, I, I'm always going through introspective, you know, searching of, of, in, in reevaluating my behavior. You know, I mean, I think we kind of have to, you know, I, I, we can never apologize for all the goofy things we do on a daily basis, but we certainly could be mindful of it and try not to do it again. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that, that we all should probably get in better habits of doing. Well, there's a misconception I feel like of people saying, Oh, you know, he or she smokes and they're just useless. Like I, I don't think that that's actually true. That's just like a a trope that gets put out there just to demonize (laughs) Right. CBD or THC or, you know what I mean? I mean, I think that is so, you know, I, I had a, a relative that, uh, I knew he was going to be a tough, tough cookie to sell. He was a Vietnam guy. 
And, you know, um, I'm sure he had experiences when he was younger and for whatever reason was turned off on it and pretty conservative guy. And, um, <coughs> excuse me, really anti-cannabis and, uh, but very close with me. We're all, you know, very close. And he, and he knew that I was, you know, retired army officer, all that stuff that that right, that retired army officer aspect gives me a huge amount of clout with pretty much everybody because I certainly wasn't lazy. Right. Um, and well, you did what you went to Norwich, you got commissioned. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I didn't touch cannabis until, until after that, but, yeah. uh, no, I'm but, talking about the clout perspective. I mean, Oh you, yes. You have yeah. to have your yet together for right. lack of a better yeah, word. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Norwich that. university and, and you know, and I was in the army for 10 and a half years and they also sent me to the college of William and Mary for my MBA. So, you know, I, 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 I think I've got the educational backing to at least get the basic respect of someone that I'm speaking to. At least sure. I would hope I would, um, you know, and I, and I, and I had to show him my medical card one day and I said, you know, I, this, this stuff really helps me. And we got kind of talking about it and I kind of kind of in a little bit of a trap because I knew where he was going with it. And it was before I kind of told him that, well, you know, I, I use this and it was exactly that. Well, you know, your laziness and, you know, people who smoke, they just don't want to get anything done in there. And, 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 you know, look at this guy and look at this guy. And he you know kept on putting examples out there. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, how many of those guys that you just named off are alcoholics? All of them. Oh, how many of them have struggled with drugs? All of them. How many of them are smokers? All of them. Right. How many of them have gambling problems? Well, all of them. You see a trend here. We don't. We don't. We don't have lazy people. We've got people who have personal personality issues or medical illness, or mm-hmm. uh, mental illness, I should say, that's not been treated and dealt with, and they're trying to medicate. That's what's happening. They're trying to find something that's going to improve them. And <coughs> excuse me, I it's not always best to medicate yourself with that stuff, particularly with, with, with behavioral medicine. Um, you at least want to know what's going on up there. And I think a lot of people are, you know, the addiction prevents them from even trying to go get help from it. But, you know, they start, they start trying to medicate themselves. And I see this all the time with veterans and we've helped veterans that have gone down this path because I feel like this, I start to self-medicate because I started to self-medicate with the wrong thing. Um, now I've got to, I've got to all, I'm going to continue to do this because it improved the situation, but I don't understand the second and third hand effects of me taking this substance every single day at an increasing amount. And Oh, buy it before <coughs> man, excuse me. Before I'm going to get a little drink here before long, um, no worries, Jason. you know, before long we have a drug addiction problem. Yeah. You know, and, and, for- and maybe and this is why we see. Right. All right. This guy has a first he was he he had a crack addiction or he had a coke addiction and then he had a meth addiction. Why is he feeling the need to get so sped up all the time? Right. What's what's his baseline mm-hmm. in, in, in drug addicts? They're not trying to get high. And this is the hardest thing for people to understand. And I'm going to explain why I'm jumping into drug addiction. Sure. Uh it's hard for people to understand that a drug addict is not trying to get high, right? A drug addict is trying to get back to baseline. 
They're just 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 trying to get back to normal or their perceived version of normal. Mm-hmm. And they keep overshooting or undershooting or overshooting or undershooting. And you see what happens here, right? And once you get too far over, you die. Once you get too far under, you die. If you yep. mix these two, you die, right? And <clears throat> if they would just go get help and we could understand that, Sometimes you're never going to beat the addiction. You just have to, you just have to get, allow uh, an addict to manage, I guess you could say. And I think that's where we're going with addiction treatment now, Mm -hmm. instead of trying to beat addiction and and just forcing people back into it all the time. What CBD kind of has, I've seen do and help, especially with these veterans that I've personally helped with, with addiction problems. And it was all heroin related. Um, or I should say opiate related anyway, is is lock them in a room and pretty much force fed them CBD and CBD cigarettes for a week straight. And it sounds crazy. But it, it does, to be they clear. Did not, they did not experience any withdrawal symptoms. Isn't that wild? That would, that would be my first question. Aren't you afraid of somebody, you know, passing away from withdrawal? Because that's a... If I'm not mistaken, when it comes to addiction, whether it's alcohol or heroin or whatever have you, that's the first thing, you know, you're going to go through a draw yeah. and sometimes it's extremely severe. Um, the, I, the, the alcohol withdrawal is not one that I would monkey with. Okay. Um, the opiate withdrawal, I, I think it's more of a hellacious, painful experience than it is a dangerous one that someone's going to die from. Um, and if they're to the point where, you know, if they're to the point where they're going to die because, you know, they need to, if they're to that point, they're probably beyond the point that CBD is going to help them. Okay. Right? Gotcha. That, that's a point where they need to go get clinical help. They need to get locked up in a room and, you know, put on methadone and, you know, walked back down out of the system. But somebody who's got a little bit of a pill problem, or, you know, you, you can see these folks, they'll start to lose weight, you know, generally they'll start to build debt. Um, and veterans are prone to it because the VA loves, loves prescribing opiates. They've gotten blasted for it. Yeah. They're being investigated by, by Congress right now for it. Um, That's the worst thing about this generation of veterans is how many through, mm-hmm. I mean, side by side with the opioid e- epidemic, I mean... They so many have fallen into that that path, if you will. Yeah, I mean, you know, their mental state doesn't help. Uh, You know, I don't think we've uh, we really got to look at that. And then you're medicated by the VA with opioids. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're pretty much fucked, for lack of a better term. I, you know, I hate to say it, but well, I mean, I don't think that there's any true interest in healing anyone. I think they just have an interest in in you costing them the least amount of money as possible and, and you not That's killing fair. yourself. So if, if, if we turn you into a zombie and we just, you know, get you hooked on pain pills and, and we put you on a managed care program where we force you to come in all the time and, and, you know, um, not allow you to experience can I mean, that's the problem with being on a managed care. That's, that's what the VA doesn't tell you is, Oh no, you know, we don't tell people that they can't get treatment if, if you're using marijuana, but what we do tell people 
is that if you need to be on medication and you need to be on anything that requires managed care, if you use cannabis, we will not prescribe you medication. So you get eliminated your medication where you really should be slowly stepping off the medication as you're replacing it with cannabis. So you're doing this over time and they prevent that from happening by saying, if you touch this, this completely goes away. Hmm. So, you know, how do you succeed with that? You don't, unfortunately, you you don't. But the thing is, 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 the decriminalization or, or the, the marijuana bill just got to Congress or to the Senate. So it just it passed the House and they just passed it to the Senate. And, and, and um, Senator Schumer has been waiting for it. He's huge on this thing. He wants it passed. It's going to be, I would probably say that it will be on the president's desk by the end of July. You're so talking about federal? I'm talking federal. Yeah. Oh, Big news as of today. Yeah. It is the the marijuana bill left the house that got approved and and it, it now it's in the Senate and Schumer wants it passed. So and he's the send, Senate Majority Leader. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if I mean it's a, it's a done deal. It's gonna go. If if they don't want Republicans to get credit for it, right? So sure. now now you want to get how now we get into the politics of cannabis. I mean, this is a whole different ballgame yeah. on this end, right? I mean, and you've had to um, deal with it personally as well, just with I, your well, business and oh yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, you know, for for the listeners, I I also own a procurement logistics company, and we do a lot of business with the government. I mean, we did ten million dollars last year, you know, with pandemic goods, you know, with the with the government, and the government is is really difficult to work with because it's all, you know, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist here, but um, it's all tied together, right? I mean, your lawyers and your lobbyists and your politicians, they're all the same people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you know, back up and look and you start to realize that the system is written to make the lawyers money to feed, you know, it's just, it's a self it's, it's a, I call it the self-licking ice cream cone, right? It's, it simply exists <laughs> gotcha. to, to, to exist and it continues. It's like a tumor. It just continues to get larger and larger and larger. But the politics are so crazy because there's so many players involved and it's so nasty how much money somebody will spend to protect an industry when they know a particular product is a, a, a better product or is going to be better for people. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's wild. It's just, there's no scruples, but you know what? Money's money, 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 money makes people do wild things. Um, it's interesting from what you're saying there, because it goes farther than just, you know, protecting an industry. In a lot of these cases, they are actively positioning said industry to make it so that, if you take away this industry, it will hurt other industries or, yeah. you know what I mean? They try to make that scaffolding yeah. effect or domino effect. Well, I, I think the government and state governments for that matter, they like to deal with I, blue states have a tendency to like things big, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they like to embrace at least New York. Maybe I should only speak for New York. New, New York likes to embrace big businesses. Because it's easier to regulate a few large businesses than it is to regulate a thousand small ones. 
That's the reason for it. And unfortunately, what that gives way to is the development of laws that are written really, really selectively for big business. And when you get a small company like us that tries to come in, excuse me, and participate, what you end up with is um, huge, huge bills and expenses that they're able to pay across millions of dollars worth of sales. And we have to apply those same costs over hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of sales. It's the same concept as uh, the entire organic farming label. And I used air quotes for your listeners. And the reason is why, the reason why is because local farmers will tell you that the, to, to become organic certified, it's way too expensive. It requires so much paperwork that it literally takes a full-time employee. So when you're talking about really large farms that like service, uh, you know, Walmart and your, your largest grocers and you're seeing, you know, one organic farm and, and they're supplying all the Walmarts in the country, that's a massive farm. And they're able to afford a full-time position just for that. Whereas the farmer, he's got to do all that paperwork himself. So he's got to find a way to do that. So he's doing all the same work on a, a, a tiny bit of the resources. And that plays the same way with the cannabis, especially with the licensing and the CBD licensing in New York, right? So now it's $300 just to sell it in New York State. It is, um, I think it's $1,000 to distribute it. And $2,000 to process it. And if you want to be a full out processor, it's like, I think it's like 4,000 or something like that. And they're charging that on an annual basis. So if you're a small scale processor and you got into this, you're going to be spending upwards if you're vertically integrated and, and you grow it, process it and sell it. And, and I know a few of those guys. You're going to be spending ten to twelve thousand dollars a year on licensing fees, so you're going to be set, uh, starting the year negative ten, negative twelve thousand dollars before you even start. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a third of, of of someone's potential salary, right? I mean, what sometimes the government's a little bit short sighted. You know, we could potentially hire another employee, but instead we've got these huge fees and we're going to pass them off to the government. So that's, that's, well, let's get into New York state a little bit because you've got, you've done some consulting as well for farmers. And Mm. it sounds like, uh, there's some issues that are coming in like the next two months or something when it comes to, uh, like the legalization of everything and, and essentially just everything that's happening. And I think I heard, I was listening to you on the Gondrepreneur podcast and you were kind of dissecting that a little bit with issues that mm-hmm. were coming in New York as far as regulations. Could you help me kind of dive into that and figure out yeah, sure. or explain what so, the issue is? So New York kind of threw New York really kind of threw a monkey wrench in everything when they decided that, you know, they were going to be the most regulated CBD industry in the, in the, in the, in the country. And the reason is because they tied all these regulations into one commission. They tied them into the cannabis commission. And 
uh, you know, the Department of Health is reviewing the CBD rules right now, but enter the Cannabis Commission. So legalization comes along and now they've got this Cannabis Commission that's ultimately going to regulate both industries. Um, and they gave right now they have not released any any information regarding how that regulations what how, what those regulations are like the fine details like how do i actually apply for this what's the process what's the requirements all that stuff mm -hmm. that's supposed to get sent out in the end of september they were required by law to have that out by september 31st but there's nothing in the law that prevents them from pushing that forward and right they can okay. delay that. They can postpone that. So I don't really know why they say they're required by law because obviously they're not required because they are going to postpone it, in my opinion. And this is why uh, they are not in session, right? They are out for the summer and they uh, they didn't do they didn't get it done. They didn't do it. They didn't appoint anybody. And it's a legislative appointment. So. How in the world are you going to build an entire commission when you're out of session? Like you don't, you haven't even told you, you, we don't even know who that commissioner is going to be. And we have to build an entire commission under that guy. And we don't, we, it's impossible. It's never getting done by September 31st. Never. We'll be lucky if it gets done by the end of January. Um, I think it'll be 2022 before we see the regulations roll out and it will probably, probably be 2023 before you see any small, you know, small business type cannabis stuff popping up in New York state. Sure. Um, now where that gets kind of interesting is with the Delta eight craze. And I don't know if you were, are you familiar at all with the Delta eight stuff? Not, the, Delta, no. the Delta 8 cannabinoid is, we, you might have heard about it in the news. So there was a too much hemp, there was too much um, CBD on the marketplace. So they had to do something about that. So they looked back to, you know, chemistry projects from the 60s and 70s and said, what can we do with this CBD? And using an isomerization technique, which essentially is where they change the pH of the CBD, uh, they can change it to a different cannabinoid. And Delta-9 was restricted by law, but Delta-8 was not. So they converted CBD isolate, in most cases, to Delta-8. And that has become a huge product across the country. It's essentially legal THC. It is definitely psychoactive. It'll definitely get you very, very, very high. And, you know, the argument is, well, it's not regulated or, or, um, you know, they're selling it to kids. I certainly hope nobody is, but I'm sure people are because it's not being, you know, well looked at, at least in the state of New York. Again, I think the regulations were a good thing. It went far away to make sure that things like that wouldn't happen. But mm -hmm. New York banned it as well. But July 19th, we're supposed to have it off our shelves unless something changes. Um, but it doesn't make sense why they, they pulled that from us because uh, we are regulated, you know. Uh, the concern becomes in the isomerization process, it becomes how clean is the product afterwards. And uh, just a simple COA isn't going to show that. You need to get a full solvent panel to really see what's going on. 
And I think that a lot of businesses probably aren't doing that. Um, they probably don't want to know what residual solvents are in it. And the reason uh, it, we, we do need to do something about it because um, there isn't like a one single way this stuff is made. There's mm -hmm. a dozen different ways and a different dozen different chemicals that are potentially used to do this. Um, and nothing that licenses these individual labs state to state, right? Some states have super lax regulations that allows like you would be a processor and all you need is like a, like a kitchen license or something like that. Right? There's nothing in there to make sure that you have like an expert chemist and that you're working in a GMP certified facility. The only people that do that is that's, that's my job, right? I should be doing that for you as a uh, as you as the consumer. I should be doing that for you. I need to make sure I'm a GMP certified facility. I need to make sure that all of the companies I deal with are GMP certified facilities. But there aren't as many companies out there as I wish there would be that are probably doing the right thing. Gotcha. We know that there's a lot of vape shops and head shops and everything else. They do not care. They don't care. You know, I'm sure they care about their customers. I shouldn't say that. But you know that there's a lot of business out there that just simply, they just don't care. So you don't know what they're using. Uh, you don't know if they're using pentane or hexane or, you know, something else that's, and it's not even always the acid that's a problem. It's, it's what they have to put into it to remove the acid, right? You, they have to add a base to remove the acid. Then they pull all that stuff out. And if you don't have a, a chemist that really knows what they're doing, you could end up with residual stuff that you just don't want to, certainly don't want to smoke. And a lot of people are vaping this and, and things like that. I mean, I think in New York, we could do it right because we have the regulatory, regulatory structure to do it. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's definitely something that you're probably going to hear more and more about in the news over the next six to 12 months. So for this Delta 8, you know, if I come to your shop, is it on like the product itself saying that it's like comes from a certified, you know, laboratory or anything? Or is it just kind of like the Wild West where, you know, I might I might get that certification because I go to your shop. But if I go to a random head shop, who knows? Yeah, you got it. I mean, gotcha. if you come okay. to our shop, I mean, I could tell you exactly what lab it came from. I could show you their GMP certifications, you know, but I mean, we go over above and beyond when it comes to customer service stuff. We, we we're a little crazy when it comes to that kind of stuff, but I'm pretty well, sure it, that's why we have the customers that we have. I, I was going to say in this whole, what sounds like the wild west of new cannabinoids, when you have someone you can trust and you, mm -hmm. uh, you know, can validate everything that they're doing from, you know, nuts to bolts, it probably makes it way easier for me as a consumer to be like, okay, Jason, let me give us a shot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, as a consumer, you should never have to ask a company for their product liability insurance. But <laughs> I, I, I bet you that if you ask some of these companies for their product liability insurance, they don't have any. Hmm. I, I mean, that should be telling right there. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, there's, there's, customers really have to be careful there's there's products out there right now called thco and thco is uh thco phosphate and what they've done is that they've taken a delta 8 thc molecule and they've added a phosphate ester and what it does is it makes it more soluble so that it goes through the blood brain barrier a lot easier which makes it like 30 times stronger than regular uh thc 
that stuff's pro, it's prolific. It's 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 easy to get. You could go on LinkedIn right now, and you could maybe I shouldn't even say this out loud. <laughs> you could go on LinkedIn right now, and you could go and you could buy a a, a kilo of THCO for uh, you know I I won't throw any prices out, but it's not very expensive. It's pretty and accessible, is what you're trying to it's say. It's very accessible. It, it's legal. Sure, uh, it's legal. But it's thirty times. Kind of. It's kind stronger. of right. <laughs> it, it, it's dangerous. It's yeah. I would. I had a, uh, somebody that I knew that I was doing business with, and they started getting involved with the the THCO, and and I I straight up told them, you know, you're you're going to this is too far. Like the the, the delta eight, you can kind of argue it's an isomerization. All you're doing is changing the pH when you're literally taking another molecule and you're fusing it to this one to make it more soluble, you're making a new molecule. This is, this is a, you know what we call those? We call them bath salts. Gotcha. That's what we call them, you know? Um, bath salts are any type of research chemical. And you created a research chemical. That's not a cannabinoid anymore. So I really kind of, I'm a little irritated with folks that are, are out there pitching it as a cannabinoid because it's not a cannabinoid and you're confusing the public. You're confusing the consumer. It's not. And, and you're not telling them that in three months, that's going to turn back to vinegar. <laughs> no joke. Really? In three months, it's going to turn back into vinegar. That's it. It's got a three-month life cycle on THCO. Um, and, and they're putting it everywhere. They're spraying flour with it. They're putting it in edibles. I mean, who's going to take the heat when a kid eats an edible that's 30 times stronger than regular THC and somebody put 300 milligrams on a package? I mean, that could kill some, I mean, nobody's ever died from cannabis, let's be honest. But, but you're I don't know about if somebody cannabis. would die from a research chemical that's 30 times stronger, but guess who's going to get the heat for it? Cannabis. cannabis. Right. The, the whole the industry heat. is going right. to take the heat for that. Yeah. So why in the heck are you trying to sabotage the whole industry so you can sell, so you can sell drugs? That's, yeah. that's what it's really about. It's, somebody just wants to be a drug dealer. Well, it's interesting you talk about that, right? When it comes to changing that molecule thing, you had a blog on your website too, talking about the potency of CBD and it becoming crystallized, right? Mm -hmm. And people saying like, that's, oh, well now it's bad or whatever the case is. And I'm going to go first full circle right back to education. Mm -hmm. I know you guys are working on stuff for it. You you know, workshops, going to the fairs. Uh, I really hope that you do something, and, and I believe your wife said, right, YouTube space, something to that effect, mm-hmm. whether it's TikTok or something. Um, what, What is it and how soon do you think you can start doing a little more of the education that could be a little more accessible to the rest of us? Because quite frankly, mm-hmm. I feel like I've opened Pandora's box. I'm <laughs> interested in learning more, yeah. but where yeah. the hell do I start? Yeah, um, I mean, Google is a great place to start. Uh, but we are, yes, I'm going to try to, to, to do videos on, on, uh, at least a weekly basis. Uh, I got a newborn here, so time is, That's is fair. getting a little, uh, a little, <laughs> a little less accessible, I guess is the way to put it. But sure. I just posted a, a dab tutorial on the Facebook page and you can go to uh, our veterans hemp market Facebook page on there and, um, check it out. It's like 45 minutes long. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's quite the, the, I don't know how it ended up being 45 minutes long. I think it might've had something to do with the dabs that I took while making the video. Sure. Um, sure. 
but it's 45 minutes long. It was entertaining well, for me to enough for me to watch it. Uh, it's well, it's important. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff, especially yeah. with everything you've covered. You've covered yeah. the ways that you can use it, ingest uh-huh. it, how it works, uh, regulatory aspect. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so much here that I really hope that uh, even though yeah, you have the new so board, which congratulations. It, it, in right. every, probably every, uh, so every week we'll try to get, I, I'm going to try to do it like every other day. I, I'm not going to make a promise to that, but we're, it's Veterans Hemp Market on YouTube as well. Yes. Um, I don't know about TikTok. I've tried to use TikTok a couple of times and I can't figure it out. <laughs> I, just can't, I don't know if I'm too old. I don't know what it is, but I just can't figure it out. Well, I appreciate all the time that you've given me, Jason. Uh, check out Veterans Hemp Market again online on the internet. Uh, on Facebook, on YouTube. I'll have all the links in the description. Uh, if you have questions, if you're interested, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Jason, you can Can you only technically sell within New York State? Oh, no, I can, we can sell. You can go anywhere. Yeah. Okay, perfect, because we got people everywhere. So, again, I appreciate your time. Uh, check it out, uh, Veterans Hemp Market, and uh, hopefully at some point, if you start posting those YouTube videos, I'll, I'll definitely throw them out to, to the folks listening to this as well so they can keep following you and keep tracking you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks again.